Welcome to the Victory Orlando podcast. We exist to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus and to connect them with their purpose. To learn more about us, visit us at victoryorlando.com. Thanks for listening. We pray that you are encouraged and inspired by today's message. We have a, a guest in the house, Pastor Devin Webb, a dear friend of mine this year, and um, he's uh, this summer becoming one of our overseers here at the church, and we're so honored uh, that he would be here uh, to invest into us. And so I'm so uh, thankful for Pastor Devin and his leadership in my life and uh, through me and to the church. So can we give a big, loud welcome to Pastor Devin Webb? Uh, we, we love your pastors. I mean, um, I, uh, we, we were trying to talk this, this morning, how many years we've been hanging out. Um, pastor Chris and I met through, um, the next level relational network, which is led by pastor Matt and Sarah Keller. Yeah. And, uh, for you guys know about them. They're pretty awesome. And, uh, so pastor Matt is an overseer for us at our church. We planted a church about six and a half years ago, just outside of Nashville, my wife Ashley and I, and uh, now we have a couple campuses. We have one in Mount Juliet, which is a suburb there, and then one in the city downtown uh, that we launched this last year. But we met through the Relational Network. Pastor Chris was in a group that I had the privilege of facilitating because of Pastor Matt's leadership in my life and just being able to lead that. And since then, we just been I, I make him hang out with me even when he doesn't want to, and it's like, we're hanging. Uh, and uh, so just to be a, not... A, the only voice, but just to be a voice um, in his life. And Ashley, my wife, she sends her greetings. I'm uh, okay. I'm gonna tell you a little secret, so please uh, don't tell on me. But I'm I'm technically on sabbatical right now, and I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing right now. I'm breaking. I told him, don't tell Pastor Matt that I'm here speaking with you because. Um, but this was scheduled before our sabbatical was planned, and so we're four weeks into a six-week sabbatical right now. And my wife is sabbaticaling. If that's that's a word. She uh, she was sleeping this morning when I when I left the hotel. But we were here. We were planning on being here because our daughter. I got a picture of our family. I'll show you our our family right here. If you can see my family, this, this is my family right here. There they are. We got four kids, and uh, we call our kids planned, well planned, oops, and oh my god. Those are our four. <laughs> those are <laughs> those are our four kids, and our daughter. She she brags. She says I was well planned. You know. And uh, but our daughter is a volleyball player, and we were planning on being here anyway because she's playing in the Nationals AAU tournament that's going on at the convention center. So I'm literally just jetting straight from here to go watch my daughter play volleyball. I'm going to be just cheering her on and doing that this afternoon. But my wife and I, we just celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary. That's pretty awesome. And uh, she's been putting up with me for a long time. We met when I was 12 and she was 11 in grade school. That's the truth. And started dating when I was 17. She was 16 and got married at 20. And here we are 25 years later and four kids. And it's not the, the story of our world today, but it's our story. And uh, so we're so grateful for that. So my wife sends her greetings, but she loves Heather and our, our just our opportunity to invest in you. And I just want to tell you this morning, um, you are sowing seed into great soil. Uh, your willingness, your generosity to sow into victory and to be a part of building something bigger than yourselves and to sow into the kingdom. I just, the Proverbs also says that those that refresh others will themselves be refreshed. And uh, we want to live refreshed lives. Well, how's that happen? By refreshing others and sowing seed into great soil. And I just want to honor your pastor. This is an incredible leader, he and Heather. Would you do me a favor and just honor them and let them know how much you love them and... Of course, Heather's over there leading. My, uh, my youngest, our youngest, Samuel. Um, oh, my God. That's the, that's the fourth. Um, he, he's over. He's the only kid. That, he's the only saved kid I have. He joined me for church today. And the others are like, no, we ain't coming, Dad. We've heard you speak. I don't need to hear you speak again. And so uh, 
So he comes because he gets to go to kids. He doesn't have to listen to me. So um, it's just a privilege for us um, to be here and just to take some time away. I've been, um, although I've been on sabbatical, I've been in church four of the five weekends now. Uh, last uh, weekend, I was at a, a pastor friend's church in the area that, that we're pastoring at, and uh, he's actually speaking at our church this morning. Two weeks ago, my wife and I, we were in Hawaii, we were in Maui for, uh, we were celebrating our 25th, and so we spent a week in, in Maui. I attended a, a church in uh, Maui a few weeks ago, and the week before that, we were in Chicago, and I attended a church. And so I've just been going to church. I just love church, even though I'm not, I just love being in church. I just do, I'm a church brat. I just, my friends joke, they tell me that I take in church services like movies or ball games. Like, I'm just like, I just want to go to church, you know. So, anyway, it's just something like when we get, there's nothing like the gathering of believers. And so, there's nothing like being in the room. I mean, they were all together in the room, you know. And uh, so, there's something about that dynamic. I do just want to do this. Welcome all those that are still in your pajamas at home. Would you just do it? Give a hand all those that are joining, we love y'all, and it's going to be a blessing for you today. How many of you, you would consider yourself like a neat freak? Like, it's, what, one, that's my people right there, one person. I am, you and me, it's you, we're taking on the, we're surrounded by slobs right now, it's okay. I get it, I get it. Uh, she walks into a room, she starts straightening things, and that's something I was picking up stuff in between services. I am a neat freak. I, I might even say that I have some OCD tendencies. I have some issues. I, I have like, it better, it better, it better be right. What'd you say? Oh, it's alphabetized. That's right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, I, I want it to be right. And uh, my wife and I, our kids would probably say that, our, you know, we're a little over the top maybe. We just like things in order, but you know, you have four kids and we have one that, if you have multiple kids, you know, it, one of them is going to leave a trail wherever that I can go up in, in the bonus room and go, I know who's been here. That, and it's the one that's over, I want, it's him. It's, it's, if you see Samuel, just say, that's the one. It's, he, everywhere he goes, he's just, he just messing up our world. You know, you have kids, and it's like, I want it to be neat and tidy. I know it looks like a tornado hit this place. What'd you do? And I've learned a principle in life. And it's not a principle that I like, but it's a principle that I've seen play out over and over and over again. And that is this, that sometimes it has to be messy before it can be right. <laughs> I don't like that, but it's the truth. You want to clean the closet? You got to clean out the closet and then reorganize the closet. I'm going to pull it all out. What's going to Goodwill? What's staying? What's getting repurposed? I got to pull it all out. I, you know, I order something online. The box shows up, but then you unload that box. I got popcorn peanuts all over the floor and styrofoam and hardware and parts. And I, then it turns into this wonderful thing. But it had to be messy before it got, you cook a meal. You know, you devour the meal in like 15 minutes. But what it takes to prepare that meal, you have this wonderful idea and all the splattering and stirring and frying and mixing. And it results in this wonderful thing, but it had to get messy before it could get right. Which is why the other principle that I've learned is this, that the mess is worth it. Like when you're eating that meal, it's like, that mess was so worth it, right? When you're sitting on the bar stool that you had to build or the table that you had to, to build or, you know, I mean, it had to get messy before it got, you stand in that clean, organized closet, it's awesome. But it had to get everything all over the floor messed up before it got right. Whatever you want to get right usually starts out as a mess. So let me just, I'll start right from the beginning. I'm going to say something that's going to blow your mind. This is going to change your world. I'm going to state the obvious. Life 
is messy. <laughs> Anybody relate? To, uh, like life, it, like, it rarely works out how you want it. Like it's, it's not neat. It's not tidy. Everything just falls right into place on your timeline. And just how many of you are like planners? You like to plan something. My, how many like making lists? You like making lists? You like, I like, my wife loves lists. She post-it notes, make her list, work her way through. the. I, here's how you know if you're really a list person. If you have your list and then you do something that wasn't on the list, you go back and add it to the list just so you can cross it off your list. That's when you know you're a messed up list person right there. She said, that's totally normal. She said, that's what you're supposed to do. with the. We like our plan. Here's what I'm going to do today. And we get one thing into our list and then something blows up our day and nothing goes the way we thought it was. Why? Because life is messy. Well, look what Jesus said in John 16. Jesus said this, in this world, it's going to be messy. You will have, what's the word? Trouble. Now, Jesus said that. Now, we just sang it. He said it. It must be true. So in this world, trouble's coming. It's going to get messy. And to the degree, here's, here's why some of us are frustrated. We don't embrace the mess, and now we live our life stressed. We get mad at the mess, and now the mess, you take a bad five minutes and turn it into a bad day. Because it got a little messy, and all of a sudden, my whole day's ruined. No, no, no. It's, life is messy. It rarely goes, like, on our, like, just falls right into place. But here's the good news. I, Jesus said, have overcome the world. Meaning, you're not alone in the mess. Now, this is really good news. Because you're all going to face trouble. You're going to face challenging situations. And you can have an external dynamic going on, but have a completely different internal dynamic because of the overcomer that lives inside of you. You can overcome because he already overcame. This is the good news for you. You live in the messy world, but he overcame. So some things you just don't have control over. I mean, life is just going to happen. Listen, though, you do have control over how you respond to those messy moments. The day-to-day, mundane, day-in, day-out messes of life. When the child spills the bowl of cereal. When you're already running late. Right? When, when the person in front of you isn't driving with as much urgency as you think they should be driving. I'm at, listen, I'm in a hurry even when I'm not in a hurry. We got to go. Right? Like when your spouse has a less than desirable attitude. Don't look at anybody. Just look straight ahead right now. When, when the annoying coworker is like, just go away. I mean, it's like life is going to present some opportunities to you. Look at Romans chapter 5 says. I love this verse. Look, look at Romans 5. You can rejoice when you run into problems and trials. Now, how many, when you run into a problem and trial, you're like, this is awesome. None of us. For we know, oh my goodness, they're good for us. This is, I don't like this. They're good for us because they help us to learn to be. Now, how many of us are patient? Don't lie. Don't, none of us are like, really? You know why? Because patience is learned. Well, how do we learn it? Mess, problems trials there's actually something that god's trying to accomplish by the messes of our lives how are you going to respond to the mundane mess of life here's the every mess you face is an opportunity to grow 
how you respond determines everything. Life is messy. And most of the messes of our lives involve people. Isn't this the worst? When you just like to not have people. Well, here's the deal. People are messy. And, you know, when you get frustrated about people being messy, have you ever noticed people come with messes? They just, they just come. By the way, you are a people. You're, <laughs> don't forget, you're part of. <laughs> and the more people there are, the bigger the messes there are. And my response, when people start getting frustrated by the messes that other people are bringing into their life, my response is like, and what did you expect? <laughs> did you expect them to show up with no issues, no baggage, no history, no past? I mean, here's the, we even say it. When we see someone that just can't seem to get their stuff together, what do we say? You're a hot. Yep. People are messy. And when we say that, it's like, I've got it figured out. When are you going to figure life out? You're a mess. Isn't it just so easy to see everyone else's mess? How many times have I heard people say, I would love my job if it just weren't for the people. I love where I work. It's just those customers and clients, which are people. I mean, I love my school if it weren't for the teachers and the students, which are, I mean, I love my family if it just weren't for the people. Like, and some of you right now, right now, you're not even thinking of people. You're thinking of one person. You have, like, they're right here, right there. You see their face just looking at you right now. People are messy and People are placed in our lives. He's trying to teach us some things through people. If it weren't for that person, my life would be so easy, Devin. I love this verse in Proverbs 14. Look at this verse. This is a great verse. In Proverbs 14, it says, where there are no oxen. You're like, what does this have to do with people? Let me just, just go with me here. Where there are no oxen, the manger is clean. Okay. Which means where there are oxen. There's poo. There's a mess. Where there are oxen, there's a mess. It's inevitable. You have oxen, you have a mess. Where you have people, there's going to be some stuff you're going to have to deal with, and that stuff hits the fan sometimes. Like, it's going to be messy. But, watch, abundant crops come by the same oxen that are leaving the mess. Meaning... The same people that we've been complaining about actually could produce something in our lives that otherwise wouldn't be produced if they weren't in our lives. That The people that are a burden could actually produce a blessing if we'd stop complaining about the mess that they're making and start embracing what God's trying to teach us in the moment. And it's complicated. The very thing I need in my life to produce the harvest is also producing a mess. The reality is people are going to disappoint you. They're going to make mistakes. Go back, go back to Jesus' words again. Luke 17, he said, It is impossible that no offenses should come in Luke 17. Okay, which means it's very possible that offenses will come. People are going to offend you. It's not a matter of whether offenses are coming. The matter is how you respond to the offense. Which is... Why we're going to have to make the choice to live with humility. I mean, is this not the missing characteristic of our world today? 
humility. I mean, can we not all just get honest and say my life is pretty self-absorbed? I'm kind of about me. They're like, well, that's not the truth. Well, okay, 90, over 93 million selfies a day. <laughs> that's truth. That's a real statistic taken. The average 18 to 24-year-old, one out of every three pictures is a selfie. The average millennial will take 25,000 selfies in their lifetime. We're kind of about me. Like, I'm, and people are messy, and God calls us to a completely different way of thinking, which means I'm going to allow him to have do a transformational work in my life. And as he does that, I start seeing people not for the mess they bring, but for the impact they can make in my investment in them. Jesus comes along and says, it's actually about helping others win. The world says it's all about me. People are just a means to an end to, get, to accomplishing what I want to accomplish. And the kingdom comes and is counterculture and flips what the culture says on its head. First is last. Last is first. The king comes to serve. He humbles himself. What the weak are strong. I mean, everything our culture says is flipped on its head in the kingdom mentality. And Jesus comes along and says, it's about me empowering others to win. Believing the best in people, even after they've done the worst. It's about determining my success by how much influence and impact I'm having on others. I have a practice in my own life. It's a, it's a habit. It's a discipline. At the end of every day, every day, I ask myself this question. And it's this question. Whose life is better because it intersected with mine today? That's a question. Whose life is better because it intersected with mine today? Hey, how can we keep going through days with no one's life being any better because of my presence and my influence? And if I can't think of someone, I start to I text people 10 o'clock at night. I'm not going to lay my head on the pillow without impacting and adding value to someone else's life. This is what God calls us to a life of humility. Look at Philippians chapter two. Philippians chapter 2, Paul writes this, put yourself aside. Boy, is this not countercultural? Help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to help others, to lend a helping hand to others. Another translation of the same verse says, consider others' interests more important than yours. Value others. It's messy, but the mess is worth it. It's probably going to be messy before it's right. But if I make that choice, okay, I, I get you, Devin. Okay, life is messy. I got it. I'm going to have trouble. Be, yes, people are messy. But if I make this choice right here to, to live with humility and grace and invest in others and believe in the best in others, here's, when I here's what I find out then. Not only are people messy, but community is messy. <laughs> well, isn't that people? No, there's a difference. Because it's one thing. To be among the people and just live with people and put up with people. It's another thing to be in community with the people. Like it's, it's one thing to just go, well, yeah, I just got to put up with them. And it's another thing to open your life up to them and share your life with them. That's a completely different thing. Luke chapter 6, Jesus talking again. Do not judge others and you won't be judged. Don't condemn others or that will come back against you. Forgive others, and you will be forgiven. Now watch this. Give, 
and you will receive. Now, the reason there's an asterisk right there is because we've always looked at this verse as a giving financial verse. Now, the principle is the same. It's a sowing and reaping verse. So it can be applied to that. But in context, Jesus is talking about our relationships and how we treat other people. How you forgive, how you judge, how you condemn. Give and you'll receive what? What you've given. So you, you, you get back what you give to other people. This is the principle of sowing and reaping. Give and you'll receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down. See, we've always heard this verse in this context, but listen, this is a relationship verse. Shaken together, making room for running over. Hey, what's being poured back into your lap right now? I'll tell you what's being poured back. What you're given to other people. Why are people so mean to me? Well, I can just tell by the way you're talking. That's why. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. That's what Jesus said. The amount I give in my relationships, the amount that I invest in other people, the amount that I elevate other people and take the lower seat, even when that means deflecting and giving them the credit. <gasps> yeah. The amount that I encourage other people, the amount that I empower other people, that I believe in other people, that I focus on other people, to speaking to other people's potential and not just waiting for my time. The, the amount that I do that is coming back to me, pressed down, shaken together in my lap. <laughs> I don't like this message, Devin. I, I don't even know you. You need to just stop. You know, it's messy. I know. But the mess is worth it. It's worth the effort and the energy. It's one thing to have people in your life. It's another thing to have community. You know, it's easy to quit attending a service. It's not easy to quit community. Because, listen, church isn't a service that you attend. It's a family you belong to. You can keep showing up and just checking it off your box, or you can engage with community and experiencing something, an abundant harvest that otherwise you're complaining about the mess and God's trying to produce a harvest in your life. It's messy. People are messy, which means I'm going to have to make the choice to live with, you're going to love this, vulnerability. Oh. Yeah, I think a lot of us have the wrong perception of what vulnerability is. Because I think a lot of us associate vulnerability with weakness. When in reality, being vulnerable is one of the most courageous things you could do. Like vulnerability is courage. To have the courage to step out, share my life with people, pull off the mask, pull back the curtain of my life, and share my innermost thoughts and fears and insecurities and dreams and desires, that is courage and it's scary. Courage is not suppressing, grinding away, and just pretending that everything's fine, smiling like you're gritting your teeth behind your smile. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, brother. I hate my life. Oh, my gosh. That's not courage. That's cowardice. You know what the problem is? That we settle for perception. We're okay with perception. That's why our, our social media feed looks very different than the reality of our real life. We look at everyone else's like highlight reel. and like, oh, my life's terrible. No, theirs is too. They're just putting on the facade. We're just happy with the perception. I love Brene Brown, Dr. Brene Brown in her book, Daring Greatly. She says this about vulnerability. Vulnerability is not weakness. 
and the uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure we face every day are not optional. Our only choice is a question of engagement. Our willingness to own and engage with our own vulnerability determines, watch, the depth of our courage and the clarity of our purpose. The level to which we protect ourselves from being vulnerable is a measure of our fear and disconnection. <laughs> vulnerability, she says, sounds like truth and feels like courage. Truth and courage aren't always comfortable, but they are never weakness. My goodness. Listen, vulnerability is having the courage to show up when you can't control the outcome. Do we want control? But on the flip side, you never experience a true sense of belonging unless you're willing to go to the raw, honest place of vulnerability. Like we're afraid of being seen and known for who we really are because it's not comfortable. And the very thing we crave to be accepted and to belong, we fight against because we're not willing to share what we need to share to actually experience that. And here, here's really what complicates it, really. It's the people that aren't willing to get vulnerable that have the loudest opinions about who we are. <laughs> like, the world is full of people who don't put themselves out there, that have settled for perception, but are quick to criticize everyone else. Like, look, look, hey, right here. Don't take criticism and feedback from people who are not being brave with their lives. Like people that are unwilling to go to the vulnerable place are uncomfortable around people that are. Like Paul, Paul was one of these, he like lived a brave life. He models this for us so beautifully. Second Corinthians chapter 12, he says, but God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Listen to this vulnerable statement, raw statement. I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. Can I tell you where I'm totally missing it? Where I'm totally striking out? Can I tell you where I'm failing in life miserably? I would love to just boast about that this morning. Like this is what Paul's saying. Why? So that the power, there's something about the power of Christ residing inside you that's tied to your willingness to go to that place. The power of Christ may rest upon me for the sake of Christ. Then I'm not only boasting in it, but I'm content with my weaknesses, hardships, insults, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, this is totally countercultural. This way of thinking, this way of behaving. I'm strong. Paul understands this principle of vulnerability. Well, Devin, real men don't share their feelings. They bottle it and blow up on people. That's what real men do. Yeah. That, yeah. Some guys are like, ooh, raw, yeah. Ooh, ooh, ooh. How's that working for you? Let's ask you that. I mean, you're sharing your feelings. It's not in a healthy way. Now, real men go to the place of vulnerability because it takes courage to go to that place. Hey, man, when was the last time you said, you know what? You know what scares me? You know what keeps me up at night? You, you know where I'm insecure? You know what I'm dreaming about? Like, when was the last time you had that kind of conversation? That is where community happens. That's true connection. How many would like more love and more intimacy and more joy? Listen, you can't have that unless you go to the vulnerable place. Dr. Brene Brown, she goes on to say that. I'll just give you one more quote. She says, vulnerability is the birthplace of love, belonging, joy, courage, empathy, and creativity. It is the source of hope, empathy, accountability, and authenticity. 
If we want greater clarity in our purpose or deeper and more meaningful spiritual lives, vulnerability is the path. You see, we all want to get better, but no one wants to be accountable. Right? Like, everyone wants improvement, but nobody wants change. <laughs> like, how can I get better by not doing anything differently? <laughs> that, like, you're going to have to get vulnerable. I have so many people. I need to know my purpose in life. You know where your purpose starts? By you being willing. You want greater clarity on your purpose? You're going to have to start really sharing your life. Your willingness to share your story. Not in my notes. But 2 Corinthians chapter 1 says, I get to encourage others by sharing the same hope that I received in my troubles. So it's my willingness to share. You know, you know what? I didn't always have it all together. Can I just share what God did in my life? And your willingness to share that. I mean, just look at the Bible. Do you know how much of the Bible we have if we don't have messy people? It's a pretty, it's a th- that's a thin line Bible right there. I mean, look at the Hall of Faith, Hebrews 11, Moses, Abraham, da- David. David was a mess. I mean, every psalm is like a therapy session. Starts out, oh, God hates me. He's a, you know, my, aunt. and by the end, he's like, oh, but I worship you, God. I mean, he was all over the place. Why is that so refreshing? Because he was willing to, he was willing to get vulnerable and honest. What's God say? That's a man after my own heart. Could it be? Our unwillingness to be vulnerable and honest is what's keeping us from not having a heart that God likes. People are messy. We've got to live with humility. Community's messy. You've got to live with vulnerability. He's trying to produce a harvest in your life. Here's, here's the last one. You're like, I'm done with this. I don't, I don't really like this at all. Here's the last one. Freedom. Freedom is messy. You see, because we all want to be free. And we can quote the verse, he who the sun sets free is free. You see, we all want to get free. We just don't want it to look messy. Like, what if there were some things that God wanted to set you free from, but it had to get messy first before it got right? Like, what if your freedom was on the other side of a mess? Like, what if your freedom didn't fit inside of your perfect, comfortable, familiar. You know what I've recognized? God is usually one step out of my comfort zone. (laughs) Calling me. Like, you want to grow? There's a story in the Bible, and I love this story because it really, it enhances this idea. Your freedom is going to be messy. It's probably not going to be the way you think it's going to be. It's not going to look the way you think it's going to look. It's not going to be on your timeline. John chapter 9. Jesus is walking along, and he saw a man. Now, I love that. I love that. Just a side note, even if you don't see God, God sees you. (laughs) I love that. What's it say say in uh, Romans 5? Not in my notes. Even while I was still sinning, Christ died for me. Even when I was blind and didn't know it, even when I doubted him, even when I didn't believe, even when I didn't think I needed him, I was on his radar. Let let me encourage you there. Wherever you are, however you're hurting, whatever blindness you have, however overwhelmed you think you are in your addiction, in your depression, in your loneliness, in your fear, in your anxiety, listen to me. God sees you. You are on his radar. God saw a man. Jesus saw a blind man. Verse 2, his disciples say, Rabbi, teacher, 
Why was this man born blind? Can you not just hear the religiosity in this question? Was it because of his sin or because of his parents? Now that they see a blind man and the disciples want to talk theology and doctrine. Isn't that what the religious people want to do? Like, because people are messy. We would rather explain the mess rather than get in the mess. Right? And Jesus is like, well, that, that's actually the wrong question. Let's deal with what, what actually could bring hope and healing to his life. Verse 3, Jesus responds, Neither this man nor him, but this happened. Oh, my goodness. What happened? The blindness happened. So that there was a purpose to it, the works, the power of God might be displayed in him. This happened. Has anything ever just like happened to you? Yeah. The letdown. The layoff. The furlough. The rejection. The breakup. The abuse. The diagnosis, the being outbid on the house, happened. Hey, hey, what if you stopped viewing the mess as a punishment and started seeing it as a platform for God to display his power in and through your life? What if? What if? But the disciples are like, well, how did he end up here? Let's discuss this. And Jesus is trying to get to see them a bigger purpose. He's trying to get them to see the potential of what the future could be rather than just dwelling on the problem in the past. There's something he's trying to accomplish. But you, some of you are going to have to stop focusing on what that person did, what that person said, what that person didn't do. Stop rehearsing and rehashing the past. Start seeing it as an opportunity for your life to be a testimony of God's power being displayed in and through your life. Your problem is God's platform. <laughs> How many don't like that? You still don't like this message, do you? I know. Then watch. Watch this now. Verse six. Then Jesus spit on the ground. Now, I, I grew up in church. Maybe if you grew up in church, you know the story. I grew up with the felt board and you know, I, I grew up. I got I got it. But here's what we don't do. We don't put ourselves in the story. We like we know the stories. Jesus spits on the ground. Makes mud with his saliva and and spread the mud over the blind man's what Mm -mm. this is not covid friendly he's spreading stuff now this is not going to work for me jesus i mean jesus he's performed a lot of miracles He's God in the flesh. He could just say the word. Why? If I'm the blind man, why are you choosing to free me like this? Why are you choosing to heal me like, couldn't there be a better, quicker, cleaner way? I mean, put yourself in the man's sandals. Jesus sees him, approaches him. He's not deaf. He's blind. He hears the disciples and Jesus discussing his reality. Jesus is getting ready to heal him. He's been hearing about Jesus healing other blind people. 
Matthew chapter 9, he heals two blind men and all he does is touch their eyes. And Mark chapter 10, blind Bartimaeus, he just says the word and he's, he's like, how about Bartimaeus? Can I get the Bartimaeus healing? I'd rather, where's the Bartimaeus, where's that healing line? And this guy, I mean, so he knows he's healing blind people. He, heals, he hears them discussing his blindness. <laughs> and what's he hear? Let me ask you a question. How much saliva do you have to produce to create mud? thinking that's gross (laughs) exactly because freedom is messy i mean we're more concerned with how god's going to heal us than actually getting healed like can you what if the guy was he heard that and was like oh i'm out nope Uh, tell me when this bartimaeus healing day i'll come on that day or you know what he could have said? Well, they got their healing. Here's what we do. Well, they got their healing like that. I want, I want what they got. Why, don't, why can't you do what you did in their life? You know, if I'm Jesus, I go, do you want to see or do you want it to be neat and tidy? And you're like, yes, both. <laughs> D, all of the above. I would Cake and eat it too. Yes. Healing and neat and tidy and on my timeline and perfectly just the way I would design it. And we want our freedom, but we want it on our terms. We want it in our way. We want it on our timing. We want the miracle, but only if we're comfortable with the method. Like, we want the marriage to be great, but we just aren't willing for it to be messy. I was talking to Bill earlier. 56 years been married. That's awesome. 56 years. It's never gotten messy, has it? I mean, uh, I mean it's... It's been like perfect and neat and tidy the whole time. It's just awesome. Oh, it's just like, I just, it just, yeah. I mean, just amazing. Oh, it's just like heaven on earth. 56 years of bliss. No. See, we want the marriage to be great, but we just don't want to go to counseling. I would, well, I told her I loved her. If it changes, I'll let her know. Oh, how's that working for you? Like, we want to be financially free, but we just don't want to stop swiping. Everything's great. Awesome. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. How am I going to pay them? Well, because we're more concerned with perception. And we want to get free, but we don't want it to be messy. We don't want to change. We We want the relationship to be reconciled, but we don't want to go through the awkward, uncomfortable conversation. We'd rather talk to other people about the relationship rather than actually deal with the relationship. Like, we want to be free from the addiction but we just don't want to tell anybody that we have the addiction. Some, can I just tell you, I'm off the rails right now on my notes, but let me just, let me just, let me, can I just say this? Discipline is about controlling your environment. If you don't want to slip, stop going where it's slippery. You want to be free, but you, you've got to do some changing. Let me. Uh, here's the way I like to say it. The battle with the Oreos is not one at the pantry. It's one at the grocery store. We're like, well, how did that end up in my pantry? You made six decisions before it ended up in your pantry. 
You walk down the aisle, you put it in your cart, you scanned it, you paid for it, put it back in your cart, loaded it in your car, and then in your pantry. Discipline is about controlling your, quit putting it so close to you, and then in the moment of temptation, wondering why you give in to it. You just fill in the blank for whatever the Oreos is for you. Like, you need something to block that website. Like, don't put it so close to you, then expect yourself to say no in the moment of temptation. Like, it's in your fridge. It's too close to you. Like, this, you've got, freedom is messy. It's not comfortable. It requires some change. And Jesus says in verse 7 now, he's talking to the blind man, hey, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means sent. So now the pool of being sent. So, okay, put put yourself in the story, guys. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. He didn't go seeing. He came back, meaning... He comes to Jesus blind. Jesus spits in the mud. In the, yeah, creates mud. Now on his eyes and then goes, okay, go, go wash off. Yeah, I'm going to wash off, but I'm still blind. <laughs> Which means he had to have someone lead him to the pool of Siloam. Let me just say this to you. When you're in the process of being healed and being set free, be very careful who you let lead you. The wrong person leads him. He doesn't end up at the pool of Siloam. And coming back, seeing. Jesus requires something of the man, even in the midst of his healing. How many are like, couldn't you just say the word? Couldn't you just do it when I thought you should do it? No. He's doing a different work in you. And just because it's different doesn't mean it's wrong. It's what he's trying to produce in you. He had to go do something. He had to he had to put himself out there. He's walking with mud made from saliva, letting someone lead him to somewhere going. I promise at the end of this is going to be awesome. I hope it better be worth it. Freedom is messy. Listen, unless you're willing to get messy, your, your freedom's probably not coming. See, we'd rather complain about it than confront it. But what you are unwilling to confront, you never can correct in your life. That's the reality. I wish this would change. Well, you're going to have to deal with it. Hey, go to counseling. Get in a group. Start doing life. Stop just showing up and checking it off. And go apologize. Have the courageous, vulnerable conversation. Go through the assimilation process. Get involved. What is it God's calling you to that you've been frustrated by, but you've been unwilling to get messy? And what what is it that God's going to use in your life to produce a harvest? Part of being messy might require you sharing that secret. You've been hiding something God wants to use to display something in and through your life. See, we'd rather fool people. We'd rather fool people and live in bondage than be vulnerable and be free. And you're potentially robbing God of his power being on full display in your life, which means you're going to have to make the choice to live with trust, complete trust. 
Well, I have trust issues. Welcome to humanity. <laughs> Don't we all? Well, people have hurt me. You're a human being. Welcome. And I don't say that to undermine what people have done. I'm just saying just because someone hurts you doesn't mean everyone's going to hurt you. But see, here's the problem. We superimpose what someone did to everyone. And we're going to have to trust God. Okay, you want, you want a therapy session from David? Psalm chapter 40. Watch this. And me, he says, I'm a mess. <laughs> I'm nothing and have nothing. Anybody else ever felt like that's me. Make something of me. Watch, watch how he turns a corner. You can do it, God. You've got what it takes. And then, then watch his humanity, but hurry up. <laughs> Don't put it off. Like, today would be a good day. Hey, could you trust God enough to let him choose the way he wants to set you free? Like, if God told you he wanted to set you free. Would you let him or would you be more concerned about the method than actually experiencing the miracle? Could you could you get to the point where you said, however you want to do it, whoever you want to use, whatever voice you want to bring into my life, I'll share my story with whoever you I'll stop hiding what you're trying to use for your power to be displayed in my life. I'll stop pretending I, I'll submit to a process. Even if I don't understand it, I'll trust you, God. It's not in my notes. I just feel I didn't share this in the first service. James chapter four is an amazing verse. James chapter four. Go read it a later day. James chapter four, verse six says God gives more grace. Therefore, he opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. OK, when we first get saved. And again, I'm way off off my notes here, but just go with me here. When we first get saved. We are like. I'm a mess. I have nothing. I am nothing. I need your help. And we come to God when we finally realize we need a savior. And here's the cool thing about God. Let me give you a sports analogy. We come to God and say, God, I'm going to submit my life to you. And here's what's cool about God. He goes, okay, I'm going to hand the ball off to you. I'm actually going to let you run with the ball. Just stay behind me. So what do we, I mean, we don't, we're nothing. I have nothing. So what do, what do we do when we first get saved? My toes are on his heels. <laughs> Jesus, 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 Jesus. And what's he doing? <laughs> Blocking. <laughs> I'm going to hand the ball off to you. Just stay behind me, he would say. And then we start to grow in our faith, and we get another opportunity to invest in other people. And we come to God, and we go, oh, my goodness, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't have nothing. I'm way underqualified. What, what's he say? I'm going to hand the ball off to you. Calm down. Just stay behind me. Jesus, 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 Jesus. And we continue to grow in our faith. We get another opportunity. We come to God and go, this is awesome, God. And he goes, it, I know, it's amazing. He goes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand the ball off to you. Just yeah. And we often get to the point where we're like, you know what? I'm doing pretty good. Got it. In fact, see, they probably could use you blocking for them. They're really struggling. I'm good. 
Now, I, want, I just want to, I just feel really led to teach this verse to you. God opposes the proud, but gives grace, more grace to the humble. Okay, that word opposes in the original language is a sporting term. And here's what we think. Here's what we think happens. We think when we go, I got it, God. Yep, got the Greek meanings of words and stuff. I'm good. We think he hands the ball off to us and goes and sits on the sidelines. That is not what happens. And that's not what this verse is saying. Here's what happens. He goes, oh, you got it? Okay. He hands the ball off to us and he goes on the other line of the other side of the line of scrimmage. And he goes, well, then come on with your bad self. Now, that's what this verse means. He opposes. Another verse says he resists the proud. And some of us have been complaining. I feel I feel someone needs to hear this. Someone has been complaining about the mess of their life. And it's really boiling down to you not getting behind him. He's a it's not the person. It's not the circumstance. God is actually opposing what you want to do because you won't get behind him. And I'm going to have to make the choice to trust him implicitly. Proverbs chapter three, trust in the Lord with everything because everything flows from your heart Proverbs chapter 4 says guard it because everything you do flows from it trust your, trust with all your heart do not depend hey what you depend upon reveals what you're trusting in if you're depending on your own understanding you're not trusting in him Spurgeon said it this way, to trust God in the light is nothing, but to trust him in the dark. Now that's faith. Well, Devin, you don't know my situation. You don't know what they did. Mine's unique. It's a really tough one. I, I can't do it. I, I, bingo. I can't either. None of us can. But let me give you another verse. Philippians 4 says, I can do all things through Christ, who gives me the strength, I can. I actually can. It's not impossible. I can do what? All things. I can do this marriage. I can do this job. I can do this school. I can do this relationship. I can do this family thing. I can raise these crazy kids. Why? Because through Christ, I can do all things. It only happens through Christ, the strength, the ability, the power of Christ residing inside of me. The Bible says the same power that raised Christ from the dead resides inside of me. And that's the power that's inside of me moving me. What is it that builds trust? <laughs> what is it? You know, what? for most of us, it's the thing we're trying to put trust in proving itself over and over and over again until we can have the confidence to believe in it. What is it that keeps you married for 56 years? Why has Ashley stuck around with me for 25 years? Why have I stuck with her? You know why? Because she has proven herself faithful and loyal and true over and over and over and over again. And now I trust her implicitly because she's proven. Listen, your relationship with God works the same way. How do you build trust in God? You get close enough to him to let him prove himself over and over and over. The problem is, some of us, the reason we don't trust him is we're not close enough to him to let himself prove himself to us. We've got to trust him implicitly. The more I know him, not know about him, know, the more I know him, the more I trust him. 
Trust is born out of relationship. Trust. Trust. Trust is God's love language. It's what fills his relational tank. Like he's just waiting for someone to go, I'll get behind you. I, I don't need it. Jesus, 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 Jesus. I'm good. I'll trust you. John 16. We read the verse early. Let me read it to you in the message. This is awesome. Jesus speaking. He said, I've, I've told you all of this so that trusting me, you will be unshakable and assured deeply at peace. How many would like to be unshakable and assured and deeply? You know what's going to require? Jesus, 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 Jesus. Trust him. Romans 5, we read the verse earlier. Let me give you the second verse to it. We can rejoice that when we run into problems and trials, woo, they're good for us because they're teaching me something. Watch this next verse. Next slide. Next slide. And patience develops strength of character in us and helps us, what's it say? Helps us. Three of us are excited about trusting God. And patience develops strength of character in us and helps us, come on, say it, trust God more each time. Each time you take the step, you get each time we do that, watch, our faith, our hope are strong and steady. Each time you make, listen, could it be that the mess you're currently in is the vehicle God wants to use to help you trust him more? When I don't like that. Okay, stay stuck. People are messy. You're going to have to take the low road. Humility. Community's messy. It's, if you're looking for the church that isn't messy, stop looking. This, it doesn't exist. Why? Because there are people in it. People like you and me, and people are messy. So what are you going to have to do? You're going to have to start just, am I going to just show up and not do any relational thing and complain that I don't have any community, but you're going to have to get vulnerable. Share what God's wanting to do in your life. He's trying to display something through your life. Freedom's messy. All of us want to live in freedom. No one wants to go through the mess. I'm out. That ain't the way I thought that was going down. And I'm going to have to trust that God knows best. That even when it's not familiar, even when it's not comfortable, even when he's calling me outside of my comfort zone, I'll get behind him and trust him and live to live truly free. Free indeed. How many receive that this morning? Say amen to that. Okay. Let me, let me pray for you real fast. I know I've gone over my time. Lord, I pray for my friends this morning. I thank you for the way the kingdom works. I thank you for the providence that I'm standing here today and the relationship that I have with Pastor Chris and Heather and just the gift that they are to my life. And God, I just thank you for your word. Your word is true. It's, we can count on it. Maybe you're here and you've been frustrated by, the, by a mess. I don't know what it is. It could be a lost son and daughter. It, it could be a physical diagnosis. It, it, 
could be a financial reality. I mean, it's a mess. You'd say, Devin, it's, 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 a, it's, it's the, mar- the marriage is over. It's, would you be willing to trust God with it? Would you, would you be willing to let him bring freedom the way he wants to bring freedom? And, and would you be willing to kind of pull back the veil? And you don't have to do it with everybody, but you need it with somebody. You need to start sharing your life and pulling someone else in other than you. The Bible says that you can experience healing and wholeness when you confess and pray with one another. And some of us, man, we're just complaining about these people in our lives. And it's like, well, yeah. You remember when you were messy? Hey, guess what? <laughs> you still are. We, we all. What if we just took the low road and lived with humility 